Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling, interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? Send a text to 96000. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero-time selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with my guest today. Joining me is Kurt Shaver, founder of The Sales Foundry, whose mission is to, and I'm quoting here, is to help accelerate sales revenue growth by showing sales teams how to use social selling tools and techniques to grow their professional networks, and most importantly, connect with decision makers. I added, I editorialized a little bit there, Kurt, but that's pretty much, which I think is a great mission statement. We're going to talk more about it. You know, growing sales is hard work, and the whole process starts with developing new business. And developing new prospects is work that most sellers, quite frankly, don't enjoy. You know, there's a lot of fanatical adherence about inbound lead development, cold calling, more cold calling. Some people think cold calling's dead, social selling, and then people think social selling's oversold and overpromised. But, you know, like most things in life, it's not all one thing or another. So how can you sort through the noise to find the right strategy to connect with decision makers? Well, Kurt's going to help us sort it all out. Kurt, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy, glad to be here. So tell people a little bit about you. Yeah, so I'm kind of the classic career uh, tech sales guy. I've been in the tech sales business for 30 years, and about half of that was as a bag-carrying individual contributor, and maybe about uh, 10 years of that was in various management roles, with the last uh, one being a VP for a global software company. And then seven years ago, I, I started my own thing, started my own uh, business. I was doing a lot of sales consulting and sales training. And most of my business, when I started out, I was actually doing salesforce.com consulting and um, really rescuing poor implementations where they, they, they put the tool in before they had the process mm -hmm. in place. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so I did that for a couple of years. And in the context of that, I started to teach people how to use LinkedIn for sales lead generation. I used it myself and you know LinkedIn was becoming more and more popular and powerful back in we're talking like 0809 the dark ages. Yeah. And so uh, uh basically uh, long story short, you know my the LinkedIn business kind of kept growing as LinkedIn kept growing and in May of 2011, when LinkedIn went public, you know, that business was about, my LinkedIn business was about 40% of my revenue. Um, and I just kind of looked at that 
IPO time, and and I said, hey, you know, uh, <clears throat> there are about ten thousand Salesforce consultants in the world, and there's about three and a half LinkedIn consultants in the world. And I think this is going to be the biggest thing in B two B selling for the next decade. And so I just stopped doing everything else and just went all in on LinkedIn selling in May of 2011, and that's all I've done the last five years. <laughs> well, it's first of all, you must like be Dorian Gray or something. I look at your picture. You say you've been in sales for 30 years. That seems seems impossible. Um, it's all good lighting, man. It's all good lighting. It's all good lighting. Excellent. Okay. So, and good genes, I'm sure. Is, is a, yeah. So, yeah, you're familiar with this. There's sort of pushback about social selling going on. And, you know, lots of people claim it was oversold or the promises were oversold. But at the same time, I mean, it's sort of ironic. It's also irrevocably embedded in the modern sales process. So, you know, if you're in the audience, you're listening to this, you're a sales leader or a business owner, you know, put into context, what's the real role of social selling and specifically LinkedIn in today's sales process? Well, I, I you said it at the beginning of the show, you know, I think it's part of the toolkit. I think it's a growing part of the toolkit in terms of importance. And, you know, it's really, I think it's really awfully simple to figure out why if we all just step back and look what's happened over the last 10 or 15 years, right? We we all know, look, people spend more time on the internet than they used to, duh. People, um, you know, don't answer their phones as much. I mean, gosh, Andy, when, we, when you and I started selling, can you, can you remember when you would actually just pull into a prospect's parking lot and go to the reception area and ask to see people? And most times they, they would even come out. Sometimes you didn't even have an appointment. Well, I was, um, that, that's, I, I was just talking about that on a, another episode of somebody. <laughs> I said, you know, all these, all these young people are talking about, you know, on inside sales, getting past the gatekeeper. I said, they never know what a gatekeeper was to you. As you right. said, yeah, you pull up to a, a building, you walk in, there's a, I was 21, 22, I looked like I was 15, and there's a 50-year-old woman there who's been protecting that CEO for the last 20 years of her life. That was a gatekeeper. Right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Sometimes they had a moat around the office. <laughs> Almost, so, right. Uh, so, you know, I think if you look at all those those things that have happened, it's it, the reason that that sales is really changing is because they just have to adapt the way buyers have changed and and buyers have just changed as consumers or humans have changed it's just it's it's really all goes back to just the the internet and things are on online and whether it's the access to information that the buyers have um all of those things just say that that social needs to be a part of your sales arsenal because that's a primary means that people communicate with these days but people serve blend everything together when you say social you know they think twitter linkedin you got your blog you know instagram whatever pinterest but they're all separate right i mean the linkedin right. is not twitter i mean so let's like sort of put that let's put that in context for you know a business owner a sales leader you know where do they sort of fit in the sort of the hierarchy of of needs yeah well i think i think one thing that's real important to differentiate is the kind of um the social media to differentiate social selling from social media, right? So social media, which I guess in a way kind of preceded, uh, certainly preceded social selling is that's just the, the practice of sharing content or commenting on content over the social network. So, you know, that applies to Facebook, 
you know, pictures of your grandma posting a recipe just as much as it would uh, LinkedIn, somebody, you know, posting an uh, industry trend about supply chain management. But the thing that that makes social, the couple things make social selling different um, in my mind. One is it's 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 practiced by salespeople, right? The second word in the term is selling. So it's not what the marketing department is doing with uh, co- content, but it's really what the salespeople are doing to connect with decision makers. And um, so, yes, content can be or is one of the activities that's involved in social selling. Um, but the other one is traditional outbound prospecting activities, right? Things like networking and getting introductions, those types of things that, again, are tried and true sales practices, but you're just using a new tool in order to implement it. And in and, and my mind, um, not, only, not only because LinkedIn builds itself as the social network for business, um, but the other thing I think in the B2B space, which I'm sure most of your listeners are in, I mean, the other reason why LinkedIn is kind of the 800-pound gorilla in that space is when you think about the outbound prospecting element of it, LinkedIn is really the social network that fundamentally has an underlying database associated with it, which which kind of reminds us sellers of a CRM system versus all the other ones are just, hey, here's my profile and, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in a handle or, a, or a whatever it happens to be. But, but LinkedIn, I mean, you can go in there and search that based on criteria to find ideal prospects. Right. So for somebody that, and this episode is going to air in, in January, so it's sort of the start of a sales year, you know, what should managers be doing if it's not, I'm sure they have people in their sales team that are, are practicing this, but how do they start sort of institutionalizing this? You know, how do they embed it into their process? Yeah. So, um, you know, the first thing they've got to do, like they would do in any kind of sales training is they, they got to figure out what are their objectives, right? What are their objectives? Are they, are they trying to, um, uh, create, are they trying to increase sales generated leads are they trying to penetrate existing accounts and find new opportunities within existing accounts? Uh, are they trying to increase a certain conversion rate in the process? Or you know, so the first thing is you got to figure out what your objective is. So Social what, selling, well, what, and, what, yeah. and so what's a realistic set of goals as opposed to unrealistic? Because I've certainly yeah, seen so, a share of unrealistic uh, goals. So social selling, in my mind, social selling is primarily a lead generation activity. I mean, that to me, that its main benefit is at the beginning of a sales cycle to find and uncover new prospects. Okay. Um, and so for, for that reason, I mean, there's, there's a handful of, of choices you could come up with in terms of a, of a metric that would support a goal. But in, in my mind, if I had to pick one, I would say it's appointments, right? Is this technique yielding an increase in appointments? And I'm using the term appointments very broadly because it's going to differ on whatever your business is, right? I mean, it could be face-to-face, it could be a telephone, it could be a web demo, um, uh, whatever the appointment happens to be for your business. But Something, subst- me, that's, something that's, substantive, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, something that indicates the beginning of a dialogue in a sales cycle. To me, that's the appointment. Okay. Um, and so I think that, that that's the best measure and usually what I'm tracking with clients when we measure the success of a program. Interesting. So what's the training look like when you do training for a company? So 
Uh, the, a typical engagement for me, I, I have a program I call the Social Selling Boot Camp, and and so I, I kind of try to. There's a couple of particular characteristics that I think warrant it being called a boot camp. Uh, the first one is it's work. It's not magic. It's work. Um, and it usually takes five to six weeks to do it. Now, usually when that comes out of my mouth, most sales VP goes, oh, five to six weeks. You know, they can't take people out of the field. We're not talking about taking them out of the field. I'm just talking about talking about the duration of the process. Um, mm-hmm. The total amount of time that, are, that they're going to spend is usually one of my programs is, is somewhere around eight to 10 hours total stretched out over five or six weeks. But but uh, because in, in learning social selling skills, I mean, most practices you have to learn over time, right? You're not going to, whether you're trying to learn a golf swing or social selling skills, you just can't necessarily, even if it takes eight hours of lessons, you can't put everybody in the hotel ballroom for eight hours and instruct them because they have to absorb some practices and they have to go out and refine them out in the field in the real sense. And right. in the case of social selling, they're actually interacting with a community. So it's not just an, an act of absorbing knowledge within your own brain, but other people have to react in order for the, the lights to go off. And so that's why it's sort of small doses stretched out over time um, in order to build that habit. Okay. And so what sort of things do they learn then? So uh, fundamentally, they're going to learn four things, right? So they're going to upgrade their uh, professional profile online in whatever networks they want to play in. And usually it's LinkedIn, definitely, and Twitter sometimes in the, in the programs we're doing. So, uh, so they're going to increase their, or they're going to upgrade their online profile. They're going to grow their professional network. They're going to uh, learn how to find and connect with those decision makers. So that's really a prospecting activity. Mm-hmm. And then the last one uh, gets us back into that content sharing. So they're going to learn how to share content both to attract customers to them, right? That's that inbound marketing kind of an activity, um, which at the same time, they're increasing their visibility and credibility as a subject matter expert or thought leader in their space. So it's those four things. Build your profile, grow your network, find decision makers, and attract with content. So what does that sort of look like in sort of daily practice then? For a sales uh, rep that's no, rep that's come graduate from boot camp, yeah. they've now got social selling integrated into their sales process. What's right. that going to look like? Uh, well, uh, so uh, so the first one, the, the the profile one, I'll just put on the on the back burner because that's that's for the yeah. most purposes that's sort of a one and done kind of yeah. a thing. Table, with, table stakes. Yeah, that's table stakes, right? The next three though are ongoing operational part of their activity. So in the networking area, right, they just want to they want to just be a standard operating procedure that they're not only uh, inviting people to join their network when they interact with them in their normal business operations, but they also want to sort of surround the account, right? Meaning that if you're maybe calling on directors of IT because you sell a information security solution, well, then maybe you want to use some of the various techniques to sort of surround that person and find out, gee, should I connect with the VP or the CIO or the manager of information security or the network administrator, right? So that's just sort of uh, expanding your reach on the org chart, so that mm-hmm. that would be the network one of one of the networking habits you'd want to do. Um, then 
on the prospecting side of it, again, as you grow your network, obviously, you're increasing the chances that you might have a common connection to somebody. So if you if you spot a, you know, let's say you call on VPs of HR and you spot a particular one um, on LinkedIn, then you want to be able to search and say, hey, gee, do I know somebody that can introduce me? Or maybe I could just name drop these people because I have some common connections. Or failing that, failing that, what sort of uh, social intelligence nugget can I pull maybe from looking at their profile or looking at maybe what they've posted or tweeted that's going to give me some anchor element right, in order to make that first outreach. So that would be the sort of prospecting. And yeah, and the anchor, anchor element being a, a common ground of mm-hmm. some sort. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, since I, I like to joke to people, right, just to just to prove to them that that I haven't sold in 30 years. I said, you know, when I when I started selling, if I if I lined up a really important meeting with a big decision maker uh, at a corporation, and you know, it was a couple of weeks away, you know, I used to get in my car, I would drive down to the library. That's a building where they used to house books. Uh, you'd go into the back. There'd be this gigantic book, about three telephone uh, books big, called Who's Who in America. And you could look up an executive in there, and you could find what somebody wrote about that person like two or three years ago. And you, and you know, and you hope that it was still relatively accurate. And you, you know, write it down on a piece of paper, and then get in your car and drive home. Well, you know, now you can. <laughs> you know, it used to take practically a day to find out what some, somebody else wrote about somebody right. um, two years ago. And now in about 10 seconds, you can find out exactly what your prospect just posted about their top priority. So it's uh, the idea, but it's accelerated a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You just, But you also you just have to do it, right? I mean, that's and this is one of the things I want to talk about. We're going to take a short break. But before I go on the break, I mean sort of set up what we'll talk about afterwards, it seems like that now we've got this easy access to these tools, but it seems like we still, the adoption rate still seems to be so low, right? When you have, as you talk about, the things you teach are great accelerators for this whole process of connecting with potential decision makers, and yet it seems like it's not being used as wisely, as widely or as wisely as it should. So I want to talk about that when we come back from the break. But before we go, I have a standard question I ask all my guests uh, at this point in the show, it's hypothetical scenario. So I'll pose the question to you now. We'll get your answer after the break. It's, so you've just been hired as a new sales manager at a company whose sales are sort of stalled and desperately need to be turned around. Senior management really wants you to come in and you know, make things happen quickly. So what are the two things you would do in your first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? So stay with us after the break. We're joined more by our guest, Kurt Shaver. He shares more of his tips about how to Use social selling to connect with decision makers, and we'll be right back. Attention, sales leaders. Would you like to give your sales team the tools to drive more quality connects, scale their outreach, and spend more time selling? Well, you can with LiveHive. Get your ROI. Try it now at livehive.com forward slash ROI. That's livehive, L-I-V-E-H-I-V-E dot com forward slash R-O-I. So welcome back. My guest today is Kurt Shaver. So Kurt, let's talk about the scenario that I posed before the break. Your new manager, one week to come in and make a big impact, a sales team that's really desperately in need to help. What are the two things you would do, I said, that would have the biggest impact that first week? Well, I've been in that situation for real a couple of times. Uh-huh. And, We're going to get the right and, answer and I, then. 
Yeah. So my my approach to that uh, is to uh, assess and then act, right? I mean, I think it's like a doctor. You can't really prescribe until you've diagnosed. So, uh, so my attitude is, you know, there are probably one or two or three people who are working here right now that have a pretty good idea, really, of what needs to be done. And they were just, you know, limited or constrained or whatever for some reason. So I, in that very first week, I would have one-on-one meetings because I, I want it totally unfiltered and no ramifications and no peer, any pressure, anything. I'd have one-on-one meetings with a few of my top lieutenants, a few top sales reps, and probably somebody from marketing, right? Probably the VP. And I'd want to just ask them that question like, hey, we want to make a big impact, right? What are some of the, what do you think are, or would be the first things we could do? Because a lot of times, again, there's policies or processes that made sense at one time, but are now hurting the business because of that. We've always done it this way. Inertia just you know preserves them, and people accept it year after year. Um, so I find those things, and I change them pretty quickly. And if the person that suggested it actually had the that organizational responsibility, you know, I'd, I'd let them announce it and and roll that thing out, and that encourages people to come forward with new ideas. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that's the way I'd approach it. Very interesting. That's the way I did approach it. <laughs> and how'd things work out? Uh, they actually they actually worked out um, really well. I mean, the last instance that happened in where uh, I came in as a, as a VP of sales for a software company on, in the, one of those very first meetings, the uh, director of sales ops said, it told me, um, we're a little behind on lead follow-up. <laughs> And I and, and I said, what's what's be what do you mean? What's far behind? And she said, well, we're about two weeks behind on follow-up. And I said, well, how many leads is that? And she said, 5,000. <laughs> and, she, and, and she had this look on her face like I was going to scream. And I almost wanted to just like get up and kiss her because I said, oh, my God, that is the best thing in the world anybody could tell me. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, man, when we get this thing figured out, can you imagine what our sales are going to do? So, I, you know, hey. I just want to be working with smart people. So I just asked a couple of people, hey, let's come up. You guys could bring bring me your ideas, how we're going to get through these 5,000 leads in the next two weeks. And, you know, we'll pick the best one and implement it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a friend who told me a story very similar. Like he comes into a company and sort of, he was acting VP of sales and, and he opened a drawer in a desk that the former VP of sales had and it literally found thousands of leads. Ah. Just sitting there. It's like, Oh my goodness, why didn't somebody just pick up the phone and call these people? <laughs> Found right. money. Oh gosh, right? No kidding. Okay, so going back to what we were talking about before the break. You know, it's great disciplines, great tools exist. You know, LinkedIn being first among them in many respects. You know, connecting with decision makers. But they, like I said, the adoption seems to be pretty haphazard. I'd sort of analogize it to adoption of Salesforce.com, right? I mean, there's a lot of people say yeah you're using it, but it's sort of half-hearted. So what? Mm-hmm. Why is that still with LinkedIn? I mean, it's it's there for people. I mean, I can't even begin to count the number of, like sales calls I get as a business owner from an SDR at some inside sales team that hasn't even looked at my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, you know, um, you mentioned CRMs like Salesforce and and having been a consultant, Salesforce consultant, and now a LinkedIn consultant. I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of similarities really in those. Really, when it comes back to the adoption thing, uh, but the the one thing that's very different about those platforms, which I think 
is part of the answer to, to, to why it, it still seems scattered. One of the things that's very different is social selling tools, social networks by their nature are basically these free individual things that every salesperson walks in the door owning, right? It's it's their profile and account. So that so they everybody's got one when they walk in the door, as opposed to a Salesforce.com, which is a corporate license that you know somebody wrote a six or seven figure mm-hmm. enterprise spend for, and so it when when that happens, it tends to, I mean, they they, they tend to a company tends to not really overlook the training, like oh yeah, if we're going to spend half million dollars on this application, we got to include some for implementation and training. But in the case of social, I think a lot of times sales managers or sales executives just think like. Oh well, yeah. Everybody's got a LinkedIn account. It's been around a long time. People must know how to use it, right? Yeah. It's so it just doesn't have the the serious enterprise focus a lot of times because it's just this individual uh, application that runs in. So I think that the first step in getting adoption and which is going to lead to results is actually taking a strategic approach to it defining some goals. What are our objectives for this? How are we going to do training? How are we going to involve it in our management discussions and account reviews and that type of thing? So what are, I mean, that's, that's a great point, right? I mean, as you said, they sort of sales reps walk in the door, sort of owning this individual profile. I mean, assuming that the company's not paying for, you know, a paid subscription to LinkedIn, what can managers do relative to managing its usage? And you know, are there metrics that they should be tracking? Yeah. So, you know, I, one of the things I always say is that, that, uh, a, like a LinkedIn profile, it's a balance between you as an individual salesperson and the company, because yes, it's yours and you own it. But at the same time, you are representing the company with your LinkedIn profile. It's the business persona. So to me, it's, it's the same as, uh, things like you know um, dress code, for example, right? I mean, if you were calling on the financial services industry and you're calling on bankers in Wall Street, chances are you're not going to go in in a tank top, and cut shorts. off shorts, and <laughs> flip flops, right? So you you are you, so so your LinkedIn photograph or your whole LinkedIn profile shouldn't have a similar kind of casual attitude. So that yeah, the company doesn't buy you doesn't buy you a uniform to go out and make calls on financial services, but they probably give you a little guidance or there's at least some uh, acceptable minimums and protocols and things like that. But as a manager, if again, if it's a person's individual free account, you know, how, do you, how do you control what they have on their, their profile picture, for instance? I mean, or in their profile summary and their description of their experience and so on. Um, is it, you know, it's a reasonable expectation that managers have that, that salespeople in their organization should comply with uh, the processes and the regulations they have in place for that. Um, yeah, I think that uh, again. I mean, it, it, it's a balance. There's, uh, it's you know, it's not one way or uh, another. I think with with a LinkedIn account, um, you know, a little different on different types of social networks. But on a, on a LinkedIn account, um, I think that the company certainly has the right for some guidelines you know i don't think they can ag- absolutely require it because yeah it is that person's but again 
as they're representing the company, they can have certain guidelines. And the end of the day, it really should come down to the salesperson's own success, right? It, a lot of times it's just lack of awareness or they haven't thought about it before. I mean, it's, I, I haven't seen anybody that's argued that, you know, if I have a very sloppy picture and a horrible LinkedIn profile, I think that's going to increase my sales. No, I've never heard anybody say that. So, you know, if you just look at some of the top sales reps and you see what they're doing on it and, and they kind of lead by example, I think most people, most people do get the message pretty quickly. Okay. So last question, sir, if I said metrics for usage, I mean, is, is how can managers help improve the reps ability to use this tool effectively? Mm -hmm. LinkedIn in particular. Um, well, with LinkedIn in particular, you know, the, our, our timing is great because um, a few months ago, LinkedIn rolled out a, a really nice metric called the social selling index. And so now every individual can get their own score between zero and a hundred which is measuring those those same four metrics that we talked about earlier, and it's rolling it up into a score of 100. So you get 25 points for how good your profile is, 25 points for how strong your network is, 25 points for how well you're doing searching and prospecting, and 25 points for how well you're engaging your network with content. And you can go on to the... Um, it's a real-time thing. It's updated every day. So I use that a lot in training to take a baseline of people before the boot camp and then come back and measure them about a month afterwards, right? And we're seeing increases of upwards of people in that are companies that are increasing their average social selling index um, by more than 50% in a six or seven week time period. So that's pretty um, dramatic. So that that's, that's one metric. Um, obviously, we talked about appointments earlier. That's another one that, that I really hang my hat on in terms of uh, something that's going to indicate the right progress for a company. Yeah, I mean, the social selling index seems a little softer than appointments, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 But, I mean, I don't think it's been out long enough. That it's people... an early indicator. Yeah. It's an early like... indicator to probably to appointments, which are an early indicator to pipeline, which are an early indicator sure. to revenue. Right. Okay. But it hasn't been around long enough itself for people to start correlating with actual results to an increased SSI? Um, I, yeah, yeah, I would say generally that's true, although um, it, it LinkedIn's Sales Connect conference that they held in October, I mean, a number of large companies that were doing a lot of data analysis, uh, because they had access, uh, as a large company, they had access to the social selling index about a year ago. Oh, okay. So uh, it's, only, it's only really since August of 2015 that... Uh, LinkedIn made that available to any individual member on LinkedIn. And if you want to find out your own, just just Google LinkedIn Social Selling Index or Google uh, LinkedIn SSI, and you'll be taken right to that, and you'll see your own score. So um, so companies like Microsoft, for example, have, have put out a lot of data where they are correlating pipeline and revenue results to increases in SSI. So there's some of that um, a correlation available. Okay, great. Well, good. Well, something for people to look out for. So, and get involved with. And um, we go to the last segment of the show, and we've got some rapid fire questions I talked about before. You can give one word answers, or you can elaborate if you wish. Are you ready? Yep. All right. So, what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? I would say the telephone, still the good old fashioned telephone. Name one tool you use for managing your own sales that you can't live without. 
I, I would say that's uh, my CRM system. I use Nimble. So Nimble. My okay. Nimble. Yep. Good, good system. Who's your sales role model? Uh, well, I, you know, I don't know this person's name, but whoever the heck started the bottled water industry, I think has to be <laughs> the world's greatest salesperson because they created an entire industry getting people to pay for something that they get for free. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because it's certainly true in the U.S., right? I mean, you could say, okay, there's certain parts of the world where bottled water makes a lot of sense, right? Yes. But here in the United States, absolutely. You're 100% <laughs> Yeah, correct. like there's a whole aisle at Safeway for bottled water. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Good, good answer. That's a very unique answer, a very good answer. So what's the one book that every salesperson should read? Not necessarily even a sales book, but one book every salesperson should read. Uh... I'm going to give you kind of two answers on this one. Um, so there, there's a great new sales book called Saleshood by Eli Cohen. I don't know if you know Eli or maybe you should get him on the show. Um, so he's a founded a company called Saleshood, but he used to be the SVP of sales productivity at salesforce.com. And the, the thing about Saleshood is it's really written mostly for sales managers, but it focuses on the role of first-level sales managers and just how critical they are to a company's sales success. So that's kind of a, a new one, but a little bit maybe more sales manager than your question. I, I would say for salespeople, I'm going to go, you know, about 100 or about 80 years back and uh, go with a classic How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. All right. Good. Good answers. All right. Here's a really tough question. So what's your favorite music to listen to? This? Or pump yourself up for an important call. You know, I'm, I, I, I listen to a lot of styles, but I'm probably always going to gravitate to old rock and roll. So I would listen to something like Aerosmith or Van Halen, that sort of thing. So got a particular Van Halen favorite? Uh, running with the Devil, how's that? <laughs> it's a good choice, good choice. <laughs> so what's the first sales activity you do every day? I like using that. There's this uh, feature on LinkedIn where you know it tells you everybody's birthday and promotion mm -hmm, and work mm -hmm, anniversaries mm -hmm. and uh, there's an iPhone version of it or you can do it on the browser and uh, that that's one of the first things that I do just you know to ping three or four five people every morning with a congratulations or happy birthday. Good. All right. Last question. The one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople is. Should I pay to upgrade to a premium version of LinkedIn? And your answer is? If prospecting for new business is critical to your income, the answer is yes. So let's just spend a minute here. What's, what, what's the paid level you think everybody should have at a minimum if they're a salesperson they're prospecting? Yeah, well, there, uh, as you indicated by the question, there, there are a couple different levels, right? I mean, the, the Uber level is uh, called the LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and that, that's really kind of their enterprise tool that beyond individual uh, feature upgrades also gives you a management console with reporting. So if you're a company listening to that, to this, that's kind of the way to go. But there's a couple um, you know, lower versions of it that will give you some of the features at a, at a smaller price point. And so I, I usually recommend to people, if they're on the free, just go to the next level and see how that works for you. And then if you like that but want more, you can keep bumping up. Okay, good advice. So, Kurt, thanks for your time today. It's been a great show. 
So tell people how they can find out more about you. Sure. Yeah. Well, of course, they can find me on LinkedIn, Kurt Shaver, K-U-R-T-S-H-A-V-E-R. The, uh, my business and the website is thesalesfoundry.com, and my Twitter is at Kurt Shaver. So I'm, I'm sure all of your smart social researching listeners can find me one way or another. Right. And your information will be on the webpage for this episode, so you can shortcut it that way as well. So remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. Subscribing to this podcast is certainly an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts like our guest today, Kurt Shaver, who share their experience and expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.